Welcome to the 46th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio magazine podcast. Ear to the Ground features interviews and field reports related to sustainable agriculture, family farming, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. During the 2007 session of the Minnesota Legislature, Land Stewardship Project's members and staff worked to increase funding for sustainable and organic agriculture research at the University of Minnesota. The Higher Education Funding Bill eventually contained a $1,550,000 yearly increase in funding for agriculture in general at the University of Minnesota. However, as of early 2008, the exact amounts of money that will be directed towards sustainable and organic programs are still under discussion with University of Minnesota officials. The university has indicated support for a funding level of at least $400,000 of new money per year for an organics program and alternative livestock work at the U of M's Minnesota Institute for Sustainable Agriculture. As a way of guiding how this money is used, LSP has submitted a proposal to the University of Minnesota for an ongoing organics program at the institution. The precedent-setting proposal seeks to address two missing elements in the existing work of the university. The first is a lack of an overarching programmatic approach to organic research and education that is ongoing and coordinates work across the various disciplines and departments of the university. The second is a centralized coordination that allows for easy input from the public, including farmers, buyers, and students. This proposal seeks to build upon the existing good work the university has initiated on organic research and education. This proposal is put forth as an addition to the current organic outreach and research at the university. During a break at the 2008 Minnesota Organic Farming Conference, I had a chance to talk to three members of LSP's State Policy Committee, Jim Falk, Loretta Jouse, and Dave Menar. These three people, who are very much involved in various aspects of organic and sustainable agriculture, were among the committed group who helped draft LSP's proposal for an ongoing organic program at the University of Minnesota. We talked about how important coordinated, ongoing organic research at a land-grant university would be for them, as well as the organics industry in general. Uh, well, Jim, maybe you could just give me a little background on your farm and what you're doing with your seed business and where you're from, and you know, just a little bit of brief background there. Uh, yeah, we own and operate Falk Seed Farm in Swift County and uh, have been involved in, in serving the organic community for many years. We actually have some organic production on our farm, and we are an approved uh, seed conditioning facility, so uh, we're pretty familiar with um, certain aspects of, of what's needed in the organic community as far as uh, as far as uh, the availability of uh, new and better varieties. And, and in that aspect, that seems to be my expertise. <clears throat> I'm kind of excited about the fact that we're putting an emphasis now on in, in the University of Minnesota, or at least there's a, a, a movement forward to put emphasis on research that will benefit uh, the organic community by advancing uh, a number of different programs that will uh, ultimately serve the needs of, of farmers who are having to do this type of research on their own. So there's a lot to there's a lot to look forward to, and uh, by uh, prioritizing that we get these types of programs and this research in place, I'm uh, anxious to see the benefits that will come from it. What are some of the the areas, kind of exciting areas we're seeing right now, like some of the stuff you see on the horizon where there could be a real market for it, a real, I guess, a real demand for Is there a certain kind of seed out there that you think is going to be, uh, there's going to be a big demand for? Well, my specialty is with soybeans because we uh, actually have a, a, prior, uh, a private soybean line ourselves. 
the university has been involved in uh, in releasing uh, soybeans uh, for years, and and then as Roundup Ready uh, from private companies uh, entered the market and and kind of took over the market, there was a a lack of uh, enthusiasm for conventional soybeans, and and consequently that's where we would originate for the organic soybeans because obviously GMOs are not accepted in in the uh, uh, in many places in the world, so uh, the emphasis that I see uh, that I've seen is is there was there were there weren't enough products out there, and uh, and the release mechanism um, was scattered so that people couldn't find the varieties that they needed, and we still have a shortage of varieties. So uh, this is this is an ongoing need, and and this is just one aspect. Well, it seems in that, in that area of seed research, public. Publicly funded research is so key. From what I've heard, is when the when the big seed companies lock up some of that intellectual information, the intellectual property rights, so to speak. It's very hard for them to share that information. It's very hard to get research done on stuff that maybe is going to benefit uh, sustainable or organic agriculture. Uh, it seems what I've been hearing anyway. Well, I think you're right, and of course, I think everyone is is. Uh always trying to come up with more money. It seems like there's never enough money. And so prioritizing um, becomes a problem in, in every avenue there. But it's a land-grant university, and we need to do what's right for the citizens of Minnesota and, and consequently, uh, you know, the world. So if if there's a demand for this product and um, and we can serve that need here, uh, you know, hopefully we can get this research off the ground and advance those programs. Uh, yeah, Loretta, if you could just give me a little background on your farm and where you market and, and where you're at, and okay. that type of thing, just a little bit. Um, my husband, Martin, and I and our son, Kevin, uh, have an organic dairy farm near Gibbon, Minnesota, and we certified the farm in 1990 and then uh, certified the dairy herd in 94 and have been marketing our milk with Organic Valley family of farms. You know, one thing that you, you just mentioned that caught my interest was you said your son Kevin, and I think he's just recently rejoined the farm. He, he had graduated from high school and then went away for a few years. That, I think, is a something that we say that we want here in Minnesota and in rural uh, Midwestern states is young people coming back to the farm. Uh, how much do you think the fact that you guys are organic and uh, are able to get a premium for your for what you're doing, you feel like you have a good quality of life. How much do you think that helped bring Kevin back to the farm? Uh, Kevin definitely had an interest in farming and uh, and likes the dairying. I know for certain, were it not for going organic and the fair, stable pay price we get with Organic Valley, we would not have a dairy there for him to come back to. So it's been huge. And Kevin represents the fifth generation um, of Jouses on that family farm. So it's it's been a highly significant issue for us. Do you see that what do you see the role of a land grant university in trying to uh, get get young people interested in coming back to the farm? Do you see that as uh, uh, what kind of research should they be doing maybe to help help bring that about? We need all kinds of research. I, I think, um, you know, we've kind of run the gamut. When we came on, uh, we had difficulty finding markets for our organic products. And now, as last few years, you can't find enough organic products to keep up with the demand. So there has to be constant research, um, not only to back the consumer's um, perception of organics and the benefits of that, but uh, just continual constant research to help farmers keep up with, you know, the latest and um, just getting a more a deeper base there for their farming skills. 
but I don't think people are aware of sometimes of how big of a entity, uh, economic entity, frankly, that organics has become. In Minnesota is is one of the major states. I mean, and you, I know you're very involved with Organic Valley, and you go around and and give presentations, but uh, uh, it's really become a big presence. It's it's essentially uh, organics is only one to two percent of the overall food industry, but it's consistently been the fastest growing segment of the food industry. Where you're looking at you know over twenty percent growth each year. So it uh, and we need the research to keep up with that. Do you think there more of your neighbors would do the conversion if they had some research support, some support through extension, that type of thing? Definitely, we've seen that. Uh, we, we have a lot of conservation projects on the farm, and it takes someone to get it started, and, and the neighbors will pay attention and watch, and when it's working and it's successful and they like what they see, and then if there is some solid backing from the, the, the people that they trust at the university and through Extension, um, they will make the move, and you know some financial incentives help there, but it definitely is possible, and definitely relies on that input from those people at the U. I think that backing you mentioned is key. I saw a really interesting research done by Purdue University on no-till, adoption of no-till. And what they found was uh, they did all these great field days and got people to adopt it and all that. But then it often, when something major came out, maybe a real wet spring or something, the farmers would go back to their old tillage systems because they didn't have that backing year, a couple years down the road. And I think that's a really key point. Yeah, so Dave, maybe just give me a little background first in your our family uh, is a fourth-generation farm at New Prague, Minnesota. We um, we milk 150 cows, and, we, and our family also operates a uh, on-the-farm creamery where we bottle milk and uh, cream and uh, make ice cream and sell it all over the uh, Upper Midwest. Um, it, it, whether you like it or not, you you your family is kind of considered a pioneer in in not only grazing but also this uh, on-farm processing of milk. I, I mean, how you guys have really had to uh, uh, do it the hard way, I guess, it seems like. What kind of research or what kind of uh, help through the university and extension would have maybe would, would have made it easier for you, but also would make it maybe easier for another, the next generation of farmers who are looking at this type of thing? Yeah, when we first uh, converted to a grazing system back in uh, the early 90s, uh, there really was no... Uh, Really, was no research by the, any university that, that I'm aware of. Uh, we picked a, up a lot, a lot of the information from uh, the Rodale Institute, and uh, we also formed a, uh, a few of us grazers in the South Metro area formed a grazing network where uh, we met every month on farms and exchanged ideas. And, and there really were no experts involved in this, no extension people. The neat thing about this is that they, after about 12, 12 or 13 years, we're still meeting every uh, every month, and um, the, the thing goes on. But um, the university could could play a big part in uh, in doing research on any kind of any kind of uh, organic farming or sustainability processing. Also, uh, you know, the processing we. Uh, when we built our creamery and the planning of this whole process, there really was nothing, um, not much help from the university. So we ended up uh, researching on the Internet uh, for the kind of a system that would process milk from our herd into uh, into different products. And we ended up going with a company from Israel that was uh, manufacturing equipment, um, 
on a small scale um, and prov- also pri- provided us with recipes and uh, all the backing that we needed to start what we're doing, processing milk. I talked to Loretta a little bit about the kind of the national and regional impact organics is having uh, economically uh, in the food industry and how fast it's growing. But you guys have really been an example of showing how uh, a local sustainable farm that's uh, uh, processing on the farm, how much of a local impact it can have uh, in the community. It has a, it has a pretty good impact uh, right in our, our immediate area. Actually, you know, our farm uh, um, before before we built the creamery, um, I guess I was doing most of the work. Maybe had one or two part time employees, and uh, now with the creamery and our sons involved, uh, I guess we have an employment of about fifteen people. Most of those are full time, including our sons and daughter in law. Um, so and and everyone is local. The furthest anyone drives to our creamery is about ten miles. So it's I think we have a pretty good local impact. For more on the Land Stewardship Project's research priorities for organic and sustainable agriculture, see www.landstewardshipproject.org and click on Programs. On our state policy page, you will see a link under the press releases section for LSP's proposal for an ongoing organic program at the University of Minnesota. For information on how you can help make an ongoing organic program a reality at the university, contact LSP's Bobby King at bking at landstewardshipproject.org. That's bking at landstewardshipproject.org. Or you can call him at 612 722 6377. Send your comments and suggestions about this podcast to me, Brian DeVore, at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org. You can also call me at 612-729-6294. A special thank you goes out to Laura Borgendale, a Western Minnesota musician who provided Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a very special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, you'd like to support us, go to landstewardshipproject.org to learn how to join LSP. Thanks for listening. <laughs>